Yeah, yeah. I was telling, uh, I think your name was Joanne on the Trill Stack. Just like, you know, mm-hmm. Cap Cap is facing down Thanos' army. These these portals. She 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 didn't know anything about it. So I sort of explained all, all along the way of what was happening. And I was like, mm-hmm. so Cap America is the soldier, and he's fighting against Thanos, this giant army. And Doctor Strange, he's a, he's his wizard, and he can open portals. So he died in the past movie, and so he opens all these portals, and all the portals open up, and all the Avengers come out of the out of the portals, and this music <laughs> is blaring. It's dun 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 dun. And Cap grabs the hammer of Miller, and he says, "Avengers assemble!" And the crowd goes wild. And I'm like, it's a fucking amazing moment. Moment. Amazing! <laughs> oh man, that's so yeah. good. Yeah, yep. Love talking about that shit. Yeah, Love that's it. so much fun, man. Yep, yep, yep. Everybody and welcome back. It is Monday, July fifth, twenty twenty one, and you're listening to episode one hundred and nineteen of the Can I Say Something podcast. I'm your host and a recluse with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today is Derek McDuff once again. Right to the show, bicycle@gmail.com, bicycle on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Rate and view it on, on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, or stranger. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Number three, so you got two more to go for the uh, Alec Baldwin yeah. Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> I'm right on his tail, man. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're getting there. Yep. So yeah, a lot of fun last time talking about uh, David Fincher. This time, we'll be discussing our top five Steven Spielberg films. And first, uh, getting into a little bit of what we've been watching, I did um, check out your uh, letterbox. And you put uh, Luca on there. You checked out Luca. Yes, recently. yes. I, I finally got around to watching Luca. And I really, really did enjoy it. It, um, yeah. you know, like you said, it is kind of like you know a, a fun kids film. But you know, the other day I, I was like, oh, I've got, I've got 90 minutes. You know, I can just watch something where it's not going to be too much. I could just kind of like sit and watch it and enjoy just this kind of relatively simple, lighthearted story with some interesting characters. And it's not like you know the greatest Pixar or anything, you know, it's not going to make you cry or anything like a lot of other Pixar movies, but it, you do feel something you, you know, it is just kind of a nice thing to just throw on um, and just kind of like a good way to spend an hour and a half, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was light, light and fluffy. Uh, like I mentioned, the Studio Ghibli influences definitely felt there. I think a lot of people actually mentioned that it felt like the most Studio Ghibli uh, Pixar film so far, just as far as like, you know, definitely watching something like um, Kiki's Delivery Service. I had that feel of just like, you know, childhood wonderment, childhood, you know, excitement about the world, uh, childhood curiosity about, you know, how the world works and all that. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it very much as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it applies to what you said about Pixar films, about like there's films that are made for kids that adults can enjoy and there's films that are made for adults that kids can enjoy. I think it's definitely the same thing with Ghibli, you know, like you have, you know, your... You, like you said, your Kikis or your, like, uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which are a lot of times they're just kind of like movies where not a lot happens, but they're just kind of like, oh, this is cool. And this, that's a little bit like this movie, too. Um, and then you also have, you know, of course, you're like Princess Mononoke's and Spirited Away that are, like, definitely made for adults. But, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, kids can probably enjoy a lot of those, too. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Probably going to definitely be in my uh, top ten list of uh, everything I watched this year. What do you think? Oh, will that make your list? I mean, I probably need... I need to see a lot more. Like I, yeah. I, realized, I was looking at my Letterboxd account, and I was yeah. like, man, I have not seen 
that many movies this year. I was look, uh, you know, I cl- like clicked on like classified about twenty twenty one. I was like, only like, you know, I think I've seen like maybe seven movies this year or something. And one of those is yeah. a re or a re edit of a movie that came out in twenty seventeen. You know, the Snyder Cut. Uh, so, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> so I need to, I need yeah. to make up for lost time, but I um, you know, going back, starting to go back to the theater again now that yeah, you know. COVID is starting to die down and, you know, I'm vaccinated and people are vaccinated and stuff. And, you know, there's some safety now to go back to the theater. So with that, I'm, you know, able to kind of see some stuff, um, you know, make up for a little lost time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I'm adding a lot. I added a lot of TV shows to my, to my queue this year. Uh, Mayor of Easttown, I just finished watching. Hacks, I really like a lot of HBO stuff. So yeah, I'm definitely down <laughs> from last year. Like I said, uh, mm-hmm. I think in my first talk I mentioned I, I did the 360 movies and 365 day challenge last year. So I'm probably way way down <laughs> from that. That's, that's honestly yeah. incredible. Like I don't yeah. know how you even do that. Like, I don't. Like I, I was don't like either. the other day, I was like, oh, I want to watch a movie. I don't have a. Lot. That's why I watch Luca. I was like, I don't have a lot of time, yeah. but I want to watch something. Yeah. I was like, oh, I've got time for Luca. I don't know how you do a whole movie every single day. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. You know, I caught up a lot. I had to do like, you know, I'm working this many hours this week. I'm off this many days, so I need to watch, you know, four movies before Monday. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically working all week. I don't have time during the week, so I'm just gonna backload, you know, four or five movies on Saturday and Sunday. So that's that's basically yeah, how I did it. Yeah, budgeted it like that. Um, so let's see. I watched Election. We were talking about 1990, 1999 movies last last time. Yeah. Um, and this is one of my big blind spots from that year. And it is, dude, it is so prescient, so like... <laughs> it really is. is. It really is. Oh, my God. Like, her Tracy Flick is pretty much Clinton and and the other woman is is Trump they just like she just mm-hmm. went the other one's just like fuck it burn it all down the sis <laughs> fuck you know burn the government down fuck it all who cares i don't even want to win this stupid election it's like jesus that was like you know 17 years before the 2016 election and it's just like holy shit I could not believe how chris I, klein you know in there and just like yeah uh, he was he i guess he's bernie then Bernie or Biden, maybe, you know, yeah. just like, oh, hey, guys, shucks. Oh, geez, I just want to do a good job. I just <laughs> want everybody to get along. Come on now. <laughs> no, that, yeah. that's a, I haven't, I need to rewatch that because it's been years since I rewatched it. But, you know, yeah, it, it yeah, you're like, it is so prescient, you know, like even, yeah. even when I, I think the last time I watched it was probably maybe a couple of years before the 2016 election. But it, even then I was like, wow, this movie feels very, very ahead of its yeah. time. Yeah, very relevant, very relevant, yeah. Um, did you watch Loki, the new episode of Loki that dropped uh, last I, night? I please? haven't had a chance yet, because I, yeah. I, uh, I worked 9 to 5, so, you know, oh, no. and then, you know, yeah. from my time, we're recording this at 6, so I didn't really have a window yeah. there to record. Yeah, it's definitely stay off Twitter. Um, some <laughs> big things happen, so definitely recommend <laughs> staying off all social media before you watch it. Yeah, yeah, all I've been hearing is, like, there, there's a mid-credits scene, and, like, I always stay yep. for the credits, don't worry, I'm gonna yeah. stay, so, like, I've just, yeah, been avoiding Twitter, and Insta- no, I'm trying not to scroll on Instagram just to, yeah. you know, keep myself, <laughs> you know, unspoiled. Yeah, yeah, and just one more thing I've been uh, getting into this week, uh, Quentin Tarantino has a new book out, it was a novelization of the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie, um, a lot of reveals in that book, I guess, you know, uh, specifically confirming that Cliff Booth did kill his wife. So I guess spoilers for that movie, I guess, right? If you're going to yeah. 
make a make a book about spoilers it. Spoilers for something confirming. that didn't happen in that movie that was left ambiguous. Which I mean, I yeah. kind of you kind of assume in the movie. Yeah. Like I, I was assumed he definitely. I was like, yeah, he he definitely killed his wife. The way that one scene he shot on the boat or whatever. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it confirms that there was a bunch of other you know background stuff about Cliff Cliff Booth and uh, I forget what Leo's character Rick. Oh Rick uh, Rick fucking Dalton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of background about him too. Yeah, so I might might get around to reading that. But yeah, very. I love you know hearing Quentin talk about movies. Obviously, he's a huge film buff. Everyone knows that. But yeah, it's just just incredible how you know. I listened to like three or four of his interviews this week. Mark Maron did one. They did one in the big picture, and it's just you know his his knowledge of of movies and old TV shows. He was telling a story about him talking to. Um, Burt Reynolds, I guess Burt Reynolds was supposed to be part of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then he dropped out, or he died, actually. That's what happened. He didn't drop oh, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so he's asking him about this, like, very obscure TV show he was on in the 50s. And, uh, of course, you know, Burt Reynolds remembered everything, but he was just like, yeah, this, the, probably nobody, you know, uh, Quentin was like, nobody even brought this up to him in the last, like, 35 years. It was incredible. He even remembered everything. But, yeah, it's just... <laughs> The, the knowledge of that guy, him and him and Scorsese, I would just love to see yeah. a, a conversation with them going off on all the stuff that they, all of their influences over the years. Yeah, no, it was interesting because you know, um, I since you know, you know, I work at the bookstore and I, I saw like it's been in the back that like just stacks of those books have been in the back for like a week or so. Oh, yeah? I remember I was just like walking by it, I didn't even know about it, and I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like looking like. <laughs> Because it looks like the actual book itself, it looks like a book from like the 70s or something, like a little really? novelization. Of, like they did a really good job of kind of like replicate, like it looks like, like even it looks like it's faded almost. Um, yep. But it's and like kind of like it's like the way that it's stylized and stuff. And I was like, once a, I was like, a novelization of the movie. I was like, this came out like three, four years ago. What is it? And I like look at it and yeah. I'm like, okay, by Quentin Tarantino. Like he actually wrote the book. Okay, that's interesting. I like look at the cover. I'm like, of course, like, you know, it's got Margot Robbie with her feet up on the cover. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> like it's got, yeah. it, it's got that. And then it's got, you know, um, Brad Pitt's driving. I'm like, yeah, this is two for two right there with Tarantino. And, you know, then yep. there's like a third picture earlier. I was like, yeah, this is all the Tarantino stuff. I was just like, yeah, but it looks really cool. It looks, you know, like they call it like the little mass market size that you see in like the airports. Like it, didn't come out with like a big hardcover like you know these books we usually do it's just kind of this little those little tiny ones that it really feels almost authentic it's pretty cool nice nice yeah that's that's awesome yeah i've never read a novelization before um so i might check that out but yeah it's it's so cool like it, he mentioned also like um just one more thing about it he's mentioned like you know, this is going to be one of his last movies. He might do 10 movies. And he was saying how he wants to take, you know, take time before he gets to his next one, the 10th movie, or supposedly his final movie, and saying how he might do a, uh, a play based on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too. So that's hmm. interesting. Yep. Um, so, yeah, with that, let's get to uh, Steven Spielberg. When I was putting this list together and, th and doing a little bit of research into him, I was trying to, you know, find a different angle that, that, you know, people might not have come at Spielberg at. And apparently there is no more angles. There is no more <laughs> angles to <laughs> yeah, all the angles no. have been taken. You can't. Yeah. yeah. You can't yeah, just come at a different angle The most director of all time for the, yeah. <laughs> for the past, you know, 40 years. 50 years, you know, 74, the 75 with Jaws, and, you know, yeah. if, you count, if you count, what, Duel was like 71, so yeah, mm -hmm. like 50 years, is incredible, incredible career, but um, I listened to Inside Jaws podcast, was a uh, podcast that was put out, I believe, in 2018 by Mark Ramsey, he did a bunch of really in-depth, uh, uh, you know, documentation of Jaws and, and uh, Exorcist, and I believe there's another one, 
But yeah, he goes into, what he basically does is he takes the original um, shark attack that happened on the Jersey Shore in 1916 that actually inspired the 1974 book by Peter Benchley. He goes into the writing of that book. He goes into, you know, Benchley, you know, pitching it to his editor, um, goes into the making of Jaws itself, goes into Spielberg's early life, everything he shot, all that, all that early, early stuff. And then he goes also into the making of Jaws. So it's this really great, super, super in-depth, um, you know, look at the entirety of the mythology of Jaws from, you know, 1916 all the way up to the making of Jaws in 75. It's really fascinating if you're, if you're into movies like we are. I'd highly recommend that podcast. Um, and then it goes, it into actually, yeah, it goes into Spielberg uh, the night of when Jaws was up for Best Picture and they, everyone was super excited because they thought he was definitely going to win. And obviously one flew of the Cuckoo's Nest won that night, picking up, you know, five awards, one of the biggest um, award winners of all time, winning for Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress, and Adapted Screenplay. I believe the only other one, I think there were like two others, there was like, you know, um, it happened one night in like 1934, and... Silence of the Lambs, the other one. right? Silence of the Lambs, exactly, yep, yeah, that yeah. one won a bunch of them, two, four or five of them. Yeah, because yeah. it's let's like they call, I think they call it like the sweep, you know, all five major categories. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know those, I don't know, yeah, yeah, those two were kind of like the only ones to have ever done it. Then, you, like you said, I think it happened one night also. But, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and then Spielberg's retelling, I was doing a little bit of research and uh, background research into, like he has this famous mythology of Spielberg is that he, you know, spent time in a movie studio at Universal Studios um, you know, he got, he didn't break in there, but he like, you know, used like a visitor ticket over and over again and like, um, you know, carved out this little bungalow in this, in this little lot somewhere that nobody knew he was there for like months and months. And, you know, he, he got to work there. I think he was like an intern there for a while. So he technically had his own little space, I guess, but you know, it, uh, you know, just like a lot of people do, they, they build up their mythology over the years and add to it and embellish it, you know, that that's not, yeah. you know. Isolate to him, but um, yeah, I've heard some stories then, of him, you know, like going and like being like, Oh, John Ford, why don't you tell me how to make a movie? And John Ford's like, Yeah, oh, listen here, you kid, you dumbass, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, then of course, you have to talk about the iconic music of his movies John Williams scores, Jaws, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, and E.T. Um, so let me ask you, where does he rank? We talked about Fincher, where does he rank among his peers, uh, last time. Uh, for you, where does where does Spielberg rank among his peers? Among Lucas Coppola, I got a bunch of names here, but uh, just among the big ones, Mar- uh, Scorsese, you know, he, he's really in a class of his own. Because I was trying to find somebody that's just <laughs> that has worked for the past forty years, consistently putting out movies, consistently putting out great movies over the past fifty years, and nobody even comes close. So we're, I mean. <laughs> is it even a question? I guess of is he the the best among his peers? Well, I it's interesting, yeah, because like all you look at all these names, the kind of like new Hollywood class that like really yeah. you can divide movies into before and after when these guys showed up on the scene. You know, like yep. really, it's like nineteen seventy onward is completely mm-hmm. different than you know before that. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's only one guy that is in the same class as Spielberg, and I think that's Scorsese. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think those two, because if you look at all their contemporaries, they kind of were like they were revolutionary in the '70s and the '80s, and then they kind of, you know, all over the years, you know, kind of stopped making stuff. You know, like Coppola, like 
what's the last Coppola movie you can think of? Like Jack or something bad from the night, you know? Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, all these guys kind of like Lucas, you know, he's, Lucas has only, I think, directed six movies, four of which were Star Wars movies. Yeah. It's like, you know, three of those Star Wars movies were not great, uh, you know, depending on you yeah. know, how you look at it. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's really, it goes back and forth between Spielberg and Scorsese for me because they are the two guys who are still doing it. I think, though, that it, it, it really is tough because Scorsese, I think he's still doing it more consistently than Spielberg. Because yeah. I will watch a Scorsese movie that comes out in 2021 and I'll still be like, this is incredible. Yep. Uh, a Spielberg movie that, like, for the last 10 years, I don't think he's had anything that really wowed me. You know, like, right. he's done some stuff that's okay, like Ready Player One was fine. But yep. really, you know, since probably, like, Lincoln and that he hasn't really done anything great. I know like the post got a lot of critical recognition, but I think that was just because like, oh, here we've got Spielberg and we've got Hanks and we've got Streep. Please give us all of the awards, you know? Like I don't <laughs> yeah, think exactly. anybody's going home. And like Bridge of Spies was fine, but he he's not he he's not old Spielberg, you know, he's lost that little Spielberg magic, you know? And yes. Scorsese hasn't lost a step, whereas I think actually the back half of Scorsese's career for me is more interesting. I mean, yeah. that because uh, in the first half he was just kind of like doing just these crime movies and stuff, whereas I think he does his movies that are about religion and like kind of his, you know, Catholic identity. You know, his films like Silence or Gangs in New York, or well, that is a crime one too, but it also deals a lot with religion or like, um, you know, his film on the Dalai Lama, like all of those movies that deal with these bigger religious themes by Scorsese interest me a lot more, and a lot of them are more recent. Um, but what I think gives Spielberg probably the advantage in the end, the tiebreaker, is that Spielberg has done so much stuff. Like, Scorsese has mastered yeah. those kind of two, like, interesting religious films and interesting crime films. And he's done some other stuff, like Hugo and stuff, but not to a wide degree. Whereas, Sc yeah. like, Spielberg, he's like, he'll come out with two of the greatest movies of all time in the yep. same year. And yep. they could not, one is uh, like black and white drama about the Holocaust that makes you want to yep. cry. And yep. the other one is a action dinosaur movie that is also <laughs> a, um, you know, a morality tale about like power and genetics and, you know, the yep. way humanity just wants more and more. And I'm just, how do you do that in the same, in the same year? That's just yeah. one year. And then he's done, he's also done. There's been multiple times when he's made two movies that are great in the same year. You know, 2002 is another time he did. 2011, like he just keeps yeah. just, just doing this, and <laughs> you know. Um, so I think, and he's so versatile. He can have like a movie where Tom Hanks is just sitting in an airport, and you'll still be like, all right, I'll check this out, and you know. But he'll also have a movie with dinosaurs or Ready Player One. You know, he'll even yeah. though they're not the greatest movies, the post is very different than Ready Player One, and they came out in the same year. So I think that his ability to master just genre film but also just like serious dramas and like period pieces and have both of them be you know incredible like a lot of those are like five star my favorite films ever i think that's what gives him the slight edge over scorsese to me and then everyone else is a distant third yeah yeah very well said um i i want to talk a little bit about uh ridley scott because ridley scott has a couple of things coming out this year he had the martian in 2015 you know he had alien covenant which you know whatever um 
You know, he, he it's just to, just to try to find somebody else that's in their class to talk about. Um, you have House of Gucci coming out this year with you know Adam Driver and uh, Lady Lady Gaga, um, the last duel. He has things coming out, so I think you know just to just to try to make it interesting. Um, you could also put you know Ridley Scott in, in a in a past in a. In you know, you you third. do have a point because I do like I think Ridley Scott. He is still pretty much he is the one other guy who is consistently making stuff. And he's yeah. obviously made some of the best movies of all time. Um, yes. I don't think he has as many great movies as Spielberg or Scorsese, which I think is, you know, what separates him. You know, yeah. you know he's got, for like every one aliens that, or alien that he has, you know, Spielberg and Scorsese have like five, you know, movies. They'll have like, he'll have three Jurassic, he'll have, you know, a Jurassic Park and three Indiana Joneses for the one alien plus everything else. And I I feel like Ridley Scott is really hit or miss. Like I re- either really like his stuff or I really don't. There's not a lot of <laughs> yeah. in between yeah. for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, what was I going to say? So the the thing to me that makes Spielberg so so special and so successful over the years is his ability to collaborate with so many different people. Right? Because you have, you know, we're talking about Lucas, and I think what Lucas did for his class, for his, for the new Hollywood class, and for Spielberg, and for you know, Coppola was to to give them access to other people. You know, he's a very good delegator. Uh, Lucas was to to say like here. You know, he, he's very good at putting people in the same room as other people that work that ended up working very well together. You know, you have, um, you know, uh, Spielberg has editor Michael Kahn, screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan, John Williams with the scores, Kathleen Kennedy producing. Cinematographer was uh, Janis Janus uh, Kaminsky since 1993. Um, so yeah, just just the I think the secret sauce to Spielberg's um, success over the past fifty years is his ability to you know collaborate with so many different people. Yeah, no, I I he think yeah he's really kind of found a lot of people who know film very well and like, who doesn't want to work yeah. with Steven Spielberg, you know? So yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, we're getting so we're gonna do a top five list, but tell me real quick off the top of your head, what would you say is your favorite? Spielberg, Hanks, uh, collaboration. Speaking of collaborations, you got Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, The Terminal, Bridge of Spies, or Catch Me If You Can. For me, it's it's got to be. Um, this is a small spoiler for something that's coming up on my list, but yeah. definitely Catch Me If You Can. I ah, and that's interesting because it's one of the few movies where Hanks is a supporting character. Like he's not the lead yeah. in that movie, but right. that's 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 a movie I can just rewatch any time. Like I have yeah. watched that movie so many times. <laughs> Since I first saw it when I was, you know, like it was like twelve years old or something when it came out, and you just watch that movie whenever. It's it's so good. That's the movie that got me really into Leo too, you know. And yeah, yeah, and like, but Hanks is so good. He's, you know, he does. Hanks is such a com- great. People forget that he started as a comedian and he's really funny. Yeah, um, yep. He's got that, you know, obviously amazing uh, dramatic skills, but you know, he gets his and he gets the chance to do that in. Catch me if you can, but then he also gets to have that comedic side. That you're like, knock knock. Would you like to hear? Would you like to hear me tell a joke? You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah I, I I love it. And how about you? How what's what's? I want to hear what your favorite um, collab is between the two of them. Um. Well, again, it might be spoiling my list, but I love noir. I love spy movies, and I think Bridge of Spies. Uh, like you said, it's not one of. Uh, Spielberg's most beloved movies, but I, I just love it because that is my wheelhouse. I love spy stuff. I love the John Le Carre novels. I just caught up with a few uh, just recently, so I would actually say Bridge of Spies. I love I love te- seeing Tom Hanks. It, it's it's 
there's a scene in there, which I, I guess I'll talk about now, where he's, you know, he has this ability to have this earnestness and this purity about him when he's talking to the CIA officer and the guy's like, you're going to give us your, you're going to give us your, um, your, uh, not patient. What's the, what's the word for patient, but for a lawyer, your, uh. Oh, uh, client? Your, your, uh, your client, yes, thank you. You're going to give us your client. You're going to tell us what everything he told you and blah, 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 blah. And, and Hanks just goes on this you know, monologue of like, no, I, I, I have a rule, rule book as well. It's called the Constitution. You know, I will not violate my, my oath to the Constitution or my oath to, to the law to give you this guy just so you can you know, interrogate him in some black, black site prison. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really, really liked uh, that movie overall and definitely Hanks in it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. It's it's a. I mean, I haven't watched it since I was. I watched it um, in 2016. I want to say it came out. Yeah. Um, for those Academy Awards, I was watching all the movies, and you know, um, yeah. I mean, it's a solid movie, and uh, yeah. I think for me, just there's so many good Spielberg movies that it's not going to crack my list. But yeah. 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 Um. So right before we get to the list, what was the first uh, Spielberg movie you saw, and where did you see it? So this is. I was thinking about this. I'm like I don't remember a time when I hadn't seen like a bunch of his stuff. Mm. Like as a kid, I had always there seen Indiana Jones. Like I had always, you know, watched it. It always existed. I, um, I don't know when I first saw it. I do distinctly remember my mom recording it. Um, because my, my parents were really cheap. They would never buy the VHSs. They would just wait for something to yeah. be on TV, then record it. So yep. we get all the like commercials and stuff like that. So I have distinct memories in my mind of just like whatever was on, you know. Um, so was it probably either Indiana Raiders of the Lost Ark or Jurassic Park, which came out when I was three, and I think might have been the first movie that I went to see in a theater. I don't remember it really, but that sounds right. I remember mm-hmm. being really, really young and watching yeah. the original Jurassic Park. Um, you know, and it was like right around when it would have just come out like on VHS or something at my aunt's house. And my cousin, like the end when the T-Rex comes out and eats the raptor, he's like, my cousin, who's like the same age as me, you know, we're both like three or four at the time. He's just like, oh, the T-Rex was bad, but now he's a good guy. And I was just like, okay, you know, <laughs> um, but I, I distinctly remember that VHS ending it would, uh, because uh, as soon as like the movie ended, the credits start rolling and the da na na comes up and the John Williams score. Yeah. I just hear this voiceover. Yeah. You just watched the number one movie of all time. Watch the number one show. Seinfeld is up next. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I'm a little bit older than you. So I, my parents told me they brought me to um, see Jurassic Park in the theaters in 93. I don't have a distinct memory of that. I would have been seven or eight so i i should have but i but i have a terrible memory so i don't actually remember seeing it in theaters but again i watched it over and over and over and over again on vhs i probably watched this and like independence day the most when i was a kid love those two movies mm. um and you know just just those moments again it's about, it's about those moments and the, and the music and i remember seeing et for the first time like as a kid, I don't know if it was on TV or what, but they scared the shit out of me. Those guys <laughs> in the suits coming to grab the, you know, ET and ET mm-hmm. look turning all gray, um, and that scared the shit out of me. I actually have a, a confession to make, which is I haven't seen, I didn't see Raiders of the Lost Ark or any of the indie movies until last year. I never, Whoa. Had, yeah, dude, I never saw any of them. Um, I think I might have saw, you know, parts, bits, bits and parts of them mm-hmm. on TV. But I was just like, okay, yeah, I, I got, I got the idea. It's a guy. It's uh <laughs> it's you know, it's it's a, 
whatever. I forgot, I forgot what the comparison was, but you know, I, I'll see it eventually. And so I saw them, you know, back to back to back last year, um, Raiders and Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. And uh, yeah, they still hold up. It's incredible mm-hmm. to be able to be, you know, my age and see them and be like, wow, that's a really great shot. That's a really great set piece. That's a really great moment. It's really great acting. All of that stuff still holds up even, you know, 40 years later. It's incredible. Incredible movies. Um, and then just lastly, I remember seeing Hook for, for as a kid and loving that. And I think that's <laughs> that's probably the one people look back on as far as like, you know, established film critics are like, ah, Hook. Crap, right? And like, no, man, maybe, but I, I loved it. You know, it it's, it's, the, it's the Goonies <laughs> effect, you know, you, you, like it's, yeah. like, I didn't watch Goonies till I was an adult, so I was like, what is this? But so many people love it and swear by it, you know, so I think that Hook is the same kind of thing. Um, yeah. It, interestingly enough, there's so, you know, one of my things I like to ask people is just like, oh, what's your favorite Steven Spielberg movie? Because you'll get so yeah. many different answers, because like we were saying, he does yeah. so much stuff, you know, you could say like Jurassic Park or Indiana Jones or you know, like Munich, if you want to get more serious, or Schindler's List. And I asked this to people, and I get all these different responses. And I asked my roommate, who is, I love the guy, but he is not a movie guy at all. And I'm like, yeah. he's like, well, give me some examples. And I'm going down the list. I'm saying, you know, like, oh, Minority Report and all the Indiana Jones movies and this and this and this and this. And I'm just going down and down and, and I'm Jaws and, you know, all this. And then I go, um, you know, and I say Hook. Which is the one that I would give as a joke because it's not his yeah. worst movie. Like people still like right. it, but he's not right. in that same. It's just kind of like a fun kids movie. It goes, oh, Hook, yeah, that's my favorite Steven Spielberg movie. I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it, it, people like it. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you really quickly this story about this guy I, I was working with a couple weeks ago? And he's like, well, so what do you, what movies do you like? And I'm like, I like the Marvel movies. They're like, oh, so the uh, like the Avenger thing, the, the guy with the Captain America and all that, like Spider-Man? He's like, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, I saw a bunch of them. They're really good. I saw Infinity War. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did they, did they ever come back? Are they going to come back, all those guys that died? I'm like, who? Like Gamora and Loki? And he's like, I don't know, whoever. I don't know. But the guys that got dusted, did they come back? And this was last week, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Endgame's been out for, you know, two years. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, man, they come out in this movie, you know, the, the movie that came out the next year, Avengers Endgame. He's like, never heard of it. I'm like, what the, f- how? How how do you fucking yeah. watch, watch Avengers Infinity War and then not know Endgame even the thing? Never mind not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. No, that's, that's cause like, because uh, you, you didn't tell me that, but I, I was listening to um, another episode of your podcast where I think you mentioned it. And yes, I was just like, yeah, that yeah. is insane to me. Like, how do you <laughs> go to a movie? Like, how do you not know, like, go, are invested enough to go to a movie yes. and see it end yes. on a cliffhanger and not understand that there's a next movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's there was um, my girlfriend in high school, she was like, oh, I don't like Lord of the Rings. And I was like, why not? Those are great movies. And she's like, yeah. well, you know, because there was no ending. I was like, what? What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, you know, like you get they get there and then they're they like, oh, we still got a long ways to go to Mordor. And I was like, what? No, there's two more movies. Like they were the biggest movies in the world. Like, yeah. and like, yeah, and it's not just any movie, you know, like it's like Endgame, yeah. literally the biggest movie of all time. Like, like, how do you not? be aware of that but still now yeah. are still aware of infinity it doesn't make sense to me i just <laughs> it doesn't make any sense no it's, it's incredible so <laughs> with all that let's get to our top five steven spielberg movies once you kick us off what's your number five so my number five is um speaking of hanks uh saving private ryan um nice. yeah uh so there was it was a you know tough list and you know i'll go into my honorable mentions but i think that this movie is it does kind of hit the right 
balance of a Spielberg kind of like dramatic movie about like something important and real like this this World War II epic that has one of the most intense greatest opening scenes of all time and it has all of that but it's still like it does still have like it's, it's still kind of an action movie at the same time you know you do still have you know the character while you have these characters that are having these big dramatic moments you have like Matt that, that big action moment that the big action scene that I mentioned at the beginning the end where they're like holding the bridge against you know the Nazis that are coming in um it just does all the things that you want to see from a Spielberg movie like if you think all of the best of Spielberg it's kind of just like a really good grab bag of everything you like in it you know you've got good a good performance from Tom Hanks like you do in so many Spielberg movies you know it is one of the great war films I think just ever made um you know you've you've got I, yeah John Williams this does the score of course so you know obviously like he, there's a really great score um you know the oh, great supporting actors you know like Jeremy Davies um is in it um you got very early Matt Damon in that cameo that started yeah. off the trend yeah. of we got to go rescue Matt Damon um <laughs> yeah. but yeah I I really I really um enjoyed this uh Saving Private Ryan it's a movie I try to go back to every couple of years at least um that's my number five Nice, very good pick. Very well said. Um, yeah, the the Matt Damon thing. Did you you heard that it's he basically uh, improv that and and Tom Hanks didn't know what he was gonna say and they're both like actually laughing when he when he makes that joke in the story. <laughs> that I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, incredible cast. Vin Diesel. I think I think probably is one of his earliest roles, one of his best roles. I would say. You know, you got the fast stuff, but you know that and um, the Iron Giant. Yeah. Like yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Edward Burns. There's so many early, early people in this, and then so, so many, so much crossover between this and um, Band of Brothers. You know, uh, you know Spielberg and Tom Hanks. You know, executive, executive produced that. So many crossover uh, actors in that. Just a great year for you know uh, uh, World War II stories being told. Um, let me ask you a question. I should ask before we start the list. Um, what are some of the omissions you have for Spielberg's career? Because I I've seen seventeen. I have seventeen uh, movies on my list here. Um, I left out five of them. I, I wrote down. Yeah, I think it basically has twenty two feature films. The ones I don't. I haven't caught up with yet. Are the ones you actually mentioned? You know, the, the newest ones. Um, War Horse, the BFG, Murder Player One. And then going back, I haven't seen Duel and I haven't seen nineteen forty one. So what are what are some of the ones um, that you left off the list just because you haven't seen them? Yeah, so um, th- uh, the omissions that I have are I also have not seen uh, 1941. Um, so a lot of the ones that are like kind of his older ones that are not as popular I haven't seen. So um, 1941, yeah. Sugarland Express. I mean, these are popular yeah. movies, but not by Spielberg standards, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Amistad, yeah. Um, I have that not too, yep. seen. Okay, I haven't seen Color Purple. Um, that one either. I forgot that one. <laughs> uh, Empire of the Sun. Um, yeah, that's another one I left off. Uh, okay. Duel, I haven't seen. Um, yeah. I also haven't seen BFG. Um, I and then there's then uh, I haven't seen. Actually, I haven't seen the post. Um, so uh. um, I've seen half of the terminal because I was watching it and I had yeah. to like leave and go do something and I never got a chance to see the end of it. The two yeah. big ones that I think are my big omissions are Munich and Close Encounters. I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just rattled off a bunch. I forgot to write down. I'm not sure how I got the 22 feature films, but there's obviously more than that. But yeah, a lot of the ones you mentioned crossover with me that I haven't seen. Um, yeah, he has a lot of fucking movies. Yeah, <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. I think the he's like, done like there. 40, close to 40. I want to say he's directed. Jeez. 
Jesus, like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my number five, like I mentioned earlier, um, I'm a huge uh, noir fan, neo-noir fan. I've been going back and watching, you know, stuff from the 40s and 30s, The Man Who Wasn't There, or The uh, Lady, Sh- Lady from Shanghai, The Third Man, Maltese Falcon, all of those old ones. I'm a huge sucker for for spy stuff. I watched the uh, Parallax View just recently. I love Tinker Tailor, Tinker Tailor Shoulder Spy. There's actually this really great um, French TV show called The Bureau that came out that was that came out in 2015. It just concluded last year. Um, you can get it on Sundance Channel. It's very very good. Um, but yeah, my number five is Bridge of Spies. Like I mentioned, it's just a great um, actor show uh, showpiece for Tom. Tom Hanks, and uh, I don't have it pulled up, but all, the, all everyone else in that movie, it's just so incredible. The 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 scenes that they're in, I love. I love guys just just talking in a room across from each other. I watched just recently. What did I watch? Um, uh, the what's the financial crash movie with? Um, there's a bunch of them. Um, oh, J. C. Talk about the one with the, um, Gosling and. Uh, and Steve Carell and all those guys, or that, that one too, the Big Short. But there was the uh, J.C. Shandor one, um, uh, Margin Call. Margin Call. I just oh, watched okay. yeah, That's yeah. a very good one. Yeah. So I love. I'm just a sucker for you know guys talking in a room. Um, you know Quint- Tarantino movies, obviously. Um, so this is everyone's first uh, viewing of Mark Rylance. I love Mark Rylance. I've seen all of the stuff he's been in. Gone back. It's not a few things that he was in, but that scene that they're in, where the, that first meeting of them two, and Mark Rylance just saying, or Tom Hanks. Uh, saying to Mark Rylance, you know, are you worried? And him just looking up at him going like, should I be? Or or no, he says, would it help? Let's start here. If you are firm in your resolve not to cooperate with the U.S. government... I am. Yeah. Then do not talk to anybody else about your case, inside of government or out. Except to me, to the extent that you trust me. I have a mandate to serve you. Nobody else does, quite frankly. Everybody else has an interest in sending you to the electric chair. All right. You don't seem alarmed. But would it help? Just, huh. just a great, great actor showpiece for, for the both of them. Um, yeah, that's my number five. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, so what is your number four? So my number four, yeah, it's the one that I had uh, mentioned earlier, which is Catch Me If You Can. Um, just, like I said, Hanks um, doesn't often do supporting roles, but you can see why he wanted to do this part because it is such a great like back and forth cat and mouse game between DiCaprio and Hanks and it's it's just the movie has so much subtlety you know there's like just the little moments you know like you know the glances between the two of them and they're he's always just kind of like one step ahead and he always calls them on Christmas and you know they he's kind of like you know it's just kind of this fun game where you're like who's gonna win and what's going on and and, you know, it, you really are invested in, like, Leo just being, you know, as Frank Abagnale, just kind of, he's he's got this kind of, the, all these identities, and you're really caught up with all that, and it's like, can he keep it going, you know? And you've got all these great supporting um, performances, too. You know, you've got Christopher Walken and his dad is like, my son bought me a Cadillac today, you know? And you've got <laughs> Martin Sheen and very early yeah. Amy Adams. Just really, oh, really yeah. good movie. Um Sticking with the John Williams score, I think this is maybe my favorite John Williams score. It's very different than a lot of the stuff that he does, which, you know, is very big and just kind of, like, operatic. And, you know, this is kind of, like, a little more, like, sticking with, you know, the themes of subtlety. It is very kind of a subtle theme and, like, jazzy 60s, like, just kind of, like, mystery. Um, and you're just, even, like, the opening um, 
credits are incredible. Like, it's almost like a little abbreviated version of the movie that you get to see just, like, in the credits. And it's just, like, this little stylized thing. And it's just a really just kind of, like, just cleverness in a film. Um, And it kind of (laughs) makes me want to, like, I'm like, I I was really bummed when I found out that Pan Am wasn't a thing anymore when the Uh. movie came out. Because I was like, it would seem seem so cool to just, like, be, like, a Pan Am pilot, you know? Just, I I don't know. Just it's And it was kind of like the year of Leo, too. Like, it's the same, you know... He came out with this and uh, Gangs in New York just, like, weeks apart. So, like, him working with, you know, like we were saying, the two greatest actors of that generation, um, and, like, within weeks apart, uh, you know. But, yeah, I I really, really got to um, always, I'll, like I said before, if it's on, I'll flip it channels or something, I'll watch Catch Me If You Can if it comes on. Yeah, yeah, great pick, great pick. Um, very bold to say that is your your most uh, favorite John Williams score uh, with all the other ones. He's, he's can, got some he's got some think, great scores, but I there's I got a soft spot for this kind of just like yeah. like the little jazzy dude you know I don't know yeah it's it's not as yeah. it's not as singable it's not as like iconic right. as a lot of his yeah. scores but it's, yeah. it's 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 different you know it's it's stands out. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention too about our, our list and whatever you talk about Spielberg in general. You know, the, your your favorite Spielberg movies are deeply personal to you as a, as a person. You know, the things you grew up on are maybe not like again with Hook, maybe not the most commercially successful, maybe not the most critically successful, but they they mean a lot to you. So yeah, um, I was going to say this movie I got to catch up with. I mean, I did see it, but I need to rewatch it. Um, I love con man movies. I love, uh, you know, Ocean's Eleven, Snatch, The Sting. I love, love, love con man movies. It's a, it's a fascinating world of like, you know, just like with the spy stuff, it's a world where people are just living on a, on a separate, you know, scale as everyone else or a separate, you know, shadow world where they're just like, you know, everyone's going out uh, to a job, night to find job and paying their bills and blah, blah, blah. And somebody else is just like on this other I'm not how to, I'm not sure how to phrase it, but just you know a mirror a mirrored world where they're just not like operating the way society says that you're you're supposed to, and just fooling everyone and having the sociopathic ability to just lie to everyone's faces all the time. I find that stuff super fascinating. So yeah, really good pick. Um, my number four is is uh, Raiders. I saw this like I said I saw this last year. Um, so I'm, I'm a sucker for a lot of, a lot of movie stuff, a lot of, you know, uh, good, good dialogue, great acting, but also great cinematography, great blocking. And, and the entire Indiana Jones trilogy has all of that stuff in it. Really great action set pieces, you know, really set the stage. You think about, you know, Jaws, obviously it's always talked about how it set the stage for the modern movie blockbuster, but also, you know, Indiana Jones, you were just saying before about how he just over and over again, these combos of, you know, the massive movies in the same year or, you know, one year after the other, you know, you have Jaws in, in 75, but then, you know, six years later, you, you get Indiana Jones. And it's just, just, again, just setting the bar for what an action movie can be and should be just incredible. And, you know, Harrison Ford was absolutely perfect, perfect for that role. And uh, yeah, what else can you say? It's Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh. um, Karen Karen Allen actually lives around here, lives around the Berkshires. So oh. I've met her a couple of times. Very nice woman. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She has like a little, um, what do you call it, like an uh, antique shop around here. So huh. yeah, I met her a couple of times. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, what is your number three uh, Steven Spielberg film? All right, and I'm going to stay in the year of our Lord 2002 right now um, and nice. go with Minority Report, um, another movie mm. about somebody uh, running from authority figures. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is a movie that, you know, I think was 
Uh, like you were saying, a lot of Spielberg movies are very personal. This was a very personal movie to me. I remember that I had an HBO subscription um, when I was around this age, and it would they would just play Minority Report like all the time. And I would be like, oh, cool, it's on, I'm watching it. My mom would be like, oh, my God, you're watching that movie again. I'm like, yeah, it's great, I love it. And, <laughs> you know, because it does, you know, it has that kind of uh, tech noir, you know, that kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, it is a very noir film, but set in the future, which is a, you know, like a subgenre that I really enjoy. It's hard to pull off, you know, for every Blade Runner, there's a bunch of terrible movies. But I think Minor yeah. Report, once again, like Blade Runner, is based on a Philip K. Dick um, short story, I want to say. Um, yep. Um, but yeah, I think that it does, uh, Spielberg is able to take like a really cool idea, something like Minority Report or like Jaws, you know, which is, if you read, I don't know if you've ever read Jaws, but that is, I it was, it's not a good book. Like, I'm sorry to Peter Benchley, no? I could not get through it. Um, and Minority wow. Report is kind of like almost fascistic, like, um, but like my, uh, the movie is like, okay, it has all these like really big philosophical ideas about like free choice and determinism and you know like what is like if we do something or when are we responsible for it like or, or like or because we're wanting to do something are we responsible for it and all these big questions and how he's like chase all these people that he's chased down now he's one of them and it has all of that big stuff wrapped into just a really good chase movie um while also like making you very invested in the mystery of like what is going on with him like how did they set him up was he actually set up you have all the stuff with Colin Farrell who is he's another one of those guys kind of like we talked about last week who I think kind of gets he's a really really good supporting actor but kind of people want to make him a leading man because he's so handsome but he is so good in this is kind of like he starts as an adversary but then he kind of at the by the end becomes an ally and the the world the you know the story world itself like they managed to make a um, world where like that is the antagonist, you know, that is kind of like what's out to get him, and it does a really good job of like giving you this exposition without it feeling like you're bogged down with exposition, and how you know this system where this like sci-fi thing exists is what he's kind of rebelling against, and he's got to kind of tear down this system, and you know I think that is you know something that we can probably relate to a little bit now you know today's you know world about just kind of these um things that exist just because they exist and we need to kind of like find a way to move on from these corrupt systems and also yeah. it's just there is some great action in this movie like you tom yeah. cruise running like in this movie that's baked into the <laughs> film and yeah you know you, yeah. so you get to see that you get to see you know um what's his name uh max von Sydow just kind of have that great yep. villainous turn you know and i I just love it. Um, I just because that I think this was one of the first times that I was like, like really thinking about these big philosophical themes, like oh, free will and you know like this and this and sci sci fi just in general is really great at kind of examining the questions about free will and determinism. Um, just like that's it's a really uniquely because of the things you can do with it, it is uniquely positioned to kind of ask these questions in interesting ways. And I think that this movie really does a stellar job of that. Yeah, yeah, really well said. Um, I read this short stories just recently, Philip K. Philip K. Dick's short stories with Minority, Minority Report in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the story is good. 
<laughs> the first thing I Googled after getting, it was an audiobook. so after listening to a couple, I was like, let me just Google something real quick. Is Philip K. Dick a bad writer? And the first uh, article comes up says, yes, yes, Philip K. Dick is a bad writer, but does it matter <laughs> <laughs> because his ideas are so revolutionary? And it's true. His, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Philip K. Dick's stuff, but it is, his prose is terrible. That's, that's what I terrible. hear, yeah. Like, he's one yeah. of those really good, like, he's got really good ideas, but, like, when it actually comes to you know, putting, like, the pen on the paper, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, this is clunky. Yeah, very, very, exactly. That's the perfect word to describe it. Very clunky um, narr- narrative uh, storytelling um, in his books. But uh, getting back to the, the movie, um, Samantha Morton, highly underrated actress. She played yeah. Agatha in Minority Report. Um, I saw her recently last year, again, catching up with a lot of stuff I've wanted to recently last year. Uh, Synodosh, New York, the the um, Spike Jones, I believe, or uh, Andy no, Kaufman? No. Or not. Uh, yeah, yeah, Andy Kaufman. Um, Co- uh, yeah, yeah. Kaufman, not Andy Kaufman. The uh, or, or um, yeah, fuck. It's um. Yeah, the heat's getting to me already. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's Kauf- uh, John Malkovich, the guy who wrote John yeah. Malkovich. Why am I spacing on his name? Oh my god! I always say it. Philip Philip Kaufman. No, not Philip Kaufman. What the hell? Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. Charlie oh my Kaufman. god! Thanks. Charlie Kaufman's <laughs> yeah, directed her in Cinderella New York. Loved her in that. You mentioned Max Max von Sydow, Neil McDonough. Um, just so many great character actors in this film. Yeah, like you said, the action was was incredible. Tom Cruise was perfect in that role. Colin Farrell was perfect in, perfect in his. And again, yes, asking those questions of you know, if you don't commit the crime, did you you didn't commit a crime? What you didn't really do anything? You know, talking about the um, what's that term? The uh, overarching the government spying on spying apparatus. That whole thing. You know, is that is that constitutional? Is that moral? Is it ethical? Yeah, yeah, really, really great movie. And and also um, one more thing, I just want yeah. to add, like he, yeah. he Spielberg does a really, I think you know he does a really good job of like visual themes and cues and just the way that like eyes are kind of just like used over and over and again in this movie and just like kind of like like people keep like can you see and like you know the eye scans and just kind mm. of like the way that you know um, what's his name Peter Stramari has like the eyes and he's like oh here's the eyes in the refrigerator I'm Peter Stramari you know like, <laughs> like all that stuff yeah. I I love that motif you know yeah yeah really great really great so what is your number three uh spielberg film uh so that was that was uh minority part was my number three so we're on your three right you're on my three yep you're correct thank you uh, my number three is et uh, again i remember watching this as a kid over and over and over again just one of the first movies that I remember making me cry. <laughs> you, you just think back to that you know, relationship with the kid and E.T. Um, so many great iconic moments with the M&Ms, with the bikes. Um, just made you cast, you know, cast you back. Even though I was still in that mode of being a kid and going outside, you know, you you rewatched a few years later and like, oh, it makes you it makes you nostalgic for you know just a, <laughs> a few years ago that just happened. But um, yeah, just one of those all time greats. Great score, great um, again, great moments in that. You know, the kid. I forget what the kid's uh, name was. The actor's name in that. Um, pull it up here. E.T. movie. But of course, you know, Drew, Drew Barrymore is one of her first roles. I always forget how long ago it came out. It was like 82. I always, I always think for some reason it was 85. Um, so the actor's name is uh, Henry Thomas. He's, he's made a great career for himself as an adult. He's He was in the um, Honey Hill House series now on Netflix. Um, yeah, great, great cast. Um, yeah, great. Just a great freaking story. <laughs> one of the greats. Yeah. Um, so what is 
your number three or number your sorry your number two yeah your yeah number, number two? two so yeah. um yep. i had to have an indie film on my top five no sure. question the only i was kind of going back and forth about which one um for me it's really close between um raiders of the lost ark but i ultimately am going with indiana jones and the last crusade um mm. like you all the things you said about raiders they definitely apply to this film as well it is just a kind of great classic adventure film with amazing choreography and you know you you love to see just like um harrison ford and just all the, these great supporting actors and just punching nazis in the face and it's a great tre- <laughs> you know it's like oh this treasure hunting story and they're going to find you know the the the, the um what's it called the uh, holy grail um but yeah. you know there there is some stuff in this one that um i do like a little that it just kind of like gives it a little bit of a like an edge i think it is a little more like refined like the action scenes i think are do go a little bit longer sometimes and they are kind of a little more fun um do you know you have of course sean connery um terrible person but yeah. great actor uh in this yeah, movie yeah. like like he's so good as Indy's dad and i love the kind of like back and forth that he has you get to bring back some of the supporting roles from one that hadn't appeared in two and also didn't appear in four you know you get like john reese davies as sala back um mm-hmm. i love the kind of like slimy nazis you know and i like that his love interest in this one is she's really like really complex she's like evil like she 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 wants to do good things like but she's also like working with literal nazis you know and at the end um i just love the the moment at the end where he you know he the whole movie he keeps being he keeps calling him junior junior you know and he's about to fall <laughs> into the pit and you know you see uh you know elsa she falls down and he's like she's like i can reach it and he's like he's about to get it and he can get it and his dad who's been hunting for this thing his entire life and indies also spent his entire life holding for these things and like this this grail represents his dad's approval you know and that he's wanted yeah. his whole life and then his dad finally actually re- it really gives him the approval by calling him indiana and he kind of looks up mm. and he pulls him up and it's it's great and you know you, you you don't really see I was kind of talking to my other podcast you don't really see movie sequels like this anymore where it's just like mm. this is just another fun adventure that these characters that you love are going on a lot of times and I, I do love stuff like the MCU and Lord of the Rings and stuff but like everything kind of now needs to tie into another movie everything's got to have like a post credit yeah. scene whereas this is just like hey here's these characters you love they're back they're doing some more fun stuff they're after this other artifact boom go and I, I just love that yeah yeah, yeah, great, great. Well said again. Um, yeah, I saw again. Again, I saw this last year with them, with all of them. You know, back to back, back to back to back. And uh, I do agree with everything you said. The the you know the um, what's the middle one? Uh, Temple of Doom. Always it was always referenced as you know the the, the least good of the three. And I I would highly agree with that. Um, you know, Lash Crusade and and Raiders. Definitely the top two. Mm. Um, I don't yeah, even hate Kiss Crystal Skull. It's the worst one. Like I think yeah. it's it's yeah. like close between three and one, and then you know you've got yeah. Temple of Doom, and then way below them you've got Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But I I enjoyed Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's not an all time great, but it's an <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's it's getting like relitigated on Twitter on the on the film, on film Twitter right now, and be like, hey, you know. You know, Chris, Crystal Skull is not that bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to revisit it to actually have, a, you know, an informed opinion. But, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can understand why people would would say that. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Let's just say it, it is incredible. Um, I was just watching, you know, Bond, a few Bond movies before that, a few years before watching Last Crusade, and it's just great seeing Sean Connery do that thing again of that, you know, swashbuckling action dude that he did in, in Bond, but, you know, doing a little bit better. L- less less misogyny, not yeah. fully <laughs> gone from him, but, yeah. yeah, less less of that is always good. But, yeah, again, yeah, John, John Reese davies um, great in that role. Loved seeing River Phoenix as young Indy. Um, they showed how he got the, the chin scar, which I thought was interesting to explain away the scar, and Harrison Ford's face, um, them, him calling him Indy because of the dog. The dog's name Indy. You are uh, named after the dog. <laughs> that was a great impression. Um, yeah, great, great pick. Um, so that was your number two. My number two is Jurassic Park. I mentioned it before. One of the movies I've probably seen more than any other. I switched back and forth between this, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, The Secret of the Ooze, and uh, Independence Day. During my during the you know ninety four ninety five ninety six those are run. classics. They really are. Um, yeah, just just from the beginning, you just just you know, it's got that like that Independence Day thing of like we're gonna we're gonna tease the danger. We're gonna we're gonna tease the thing that's gonna come later on. Of you know the Independence Day, you have the thing coming over the moon and some guy getting a little bit of static. In Jurassic Park, you know you obviously have that opening scene where they have the cargo container ship with the with the Velociraptors in it and they're them trying to shut the door and one guy gets ripped out you know ripped in there like holy shit what was that yeah. what was that shooter shooter <laughs> uh, the great 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 scene of um, Alan Grant yeah he's talking to the kid at the at the site and the kid's like you know Velociraptors they're 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 nothing whatever and he pulls the you know he pulls the claw out and he says like you know if they ever catch you they would just rip your guts out and eat you alive and I was just like holy shit that's amazing (laughs) yeah just Um, like the kid's face you know like he's just like that's one of the all-time great movie monologues just like him just scaring the shit out of this little kid it is. It is. Um, you know, Jeff Goldblum. Obviously, that that scene in the uh, in the car where he's talking to Lauren Dern and be like, you know, you know, uh, uh, life. Uh, it's chaotic. You know, chaos theory. Uh, you know, put this water in your hand. It's gonna go down the size of your hand, and the water might go that way, or it might go uh, uh, that way. You never know. <laughs> Those great scenes, classic, classic scenes. Everything. You know, the the, the water shake in the car, and I guess. Um, talking about like you know things that weren't supposed to happen the the when the when the t-rex comes into their car it wasn't supposed to break the glass the glass wasn't supposed to collapse like that and i think you can kind of see it there because it <laughs> does actually you know fall off in a very awkward way yeah so that was that was interesting the kids were actually terrified of that scene in that scene um there was a there was an interview with laura dern she did a few years ago i forget the woman's name but she's a great interviewer she has a great podcast called um uh, Geek Bomb, or she has a YouTube channel called Be- Geek Bomb. Uh, but she was interviewing her, and she's like, you know, I do this impression of you in Jurassic Park, and she gets up and she she, she does the walk, she does the limp with her leg, and she's <laughs> like, Doctor Hammond, Doctor Hammond, it's hilarious. One of my first times seeing Samuel Jackson, you know, hold on to your butts. So many great lines in this movie, just just go off all day, you know, uh 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 uh, you didn't say that magic word, uh uh. Uh, I just I just fucking love this movie. I might actually just watch this again after we're done here. It's it's just, so it's just, good. It's it's, it's instantly so good. rewatchable. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Uh, what is your number two Spielberg film? Uh, well, number one, number one, um, number one. I'm sorry, Indy was my number yeah. two. But with right, that, right, right. 
My number yes. one is Jurassic Park. Um, nice. I completely nice. yeah agree with everything you say. Um, it is just a like we were saying a great like you know it it's thri- it's a great thriller because it does kind of like establish this danger and then it kind of like gives you like okay trying to a false sense of security but you know something is coming and and then when it does happen it just like everything starts to go wrong and you know you you're getting these great performances and it's and it's a big action intense movie but it also has time to like have a just a scene where Richard like one of those talking scenes like you were talking about where Richard Attenborough is just sitting and he's talking to Lord Dern and and she just kind of was like but like this is the illusion like you'll never have control it's all about humanity trying to control the world and like shape it and it's like something it's an illusion it's nothing we'll never be able to do no matter how much our technology advances and we've stand on the shoulders of giants and you know mm. all all that great stuff um yeah. i think this might be the movie that i've seen the most in my life like it's between yeah. this and the princess bride where i watched oh, it wow. all the time as a kid and i keep watching it as an adult like I, like it it works for anybody of any age for and you can yep. get something different when you watch it when you're 3 than when you watch it and you're 31 you know it's it just works on so many levels and i think that's why it's been really hard to even though they keep trying to make like a sequel to it that really like lives up to it some of the sequels have been better than the others and i you know i'm Mm. gonna take back what i said before as much as i love that soundtrack for catch me if you can (laughs) i I, like i think either this indian harry potter i think i'll even though it's not a movie i do gotta throw in harry potter like those gotta be i think surpass it but like Whenever, you know, it's kind of like a thing where I'll, you know, somebody will be like playing a piano or something. Like, what should I play? And I'll never yell Mozart or anything. I'll just be like, give me the theme song for <laughs> Jurassic Park. You know, like, I, yeah. I just want to hear those, those beautiful tones, you know. I want to hear Jeff Goldblum's, like, ha, 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 you know, just like all, all that stuff. So it, it just, this movie just fills me with so much joy and suspense and excitement and just, yeah, I, I, I love it, you know, and it's made... Yeah. You know, everybody involved in this movie has just kind of gone on to do bigger and better things. You know, Sam Neill and Laura Dern were these kind of character actors. You know, Laura Dern had been in, you know, um, a lot of David Lynch stuff. And, you know, Sam Neill was kind of, you know, a New Zealand actor. wasn't really well known in the States. But they've both gone on to become like, you know, Goldblum was kind of working with Cronenberg. But they've all just had huge careers, you know, obviously. You know, then you have like Sam Jackson, who's exploded. And even Wayne Knight went in on being Seinfeld. So, yeah, (laughs) spectacular, spectacular movie. The fact that he made this the same time that he was he was editing this while shooting Schindler's List blows my mind. Jesus, um, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great, great movie. Great movie. If you didn't know that, Jurassic Park, great movie. Um, So, yeah, my number one is Jaws. We didn't mention it Mm. at all today. But, uh, well, we mentioned a little bit with, uh, you know, Inside Jaws. But, yeah, I've I've probably seen this. I left this out of, you know, what I've seen the most in my life. But probably seen Jaws. My dad showed me Jaws and the subsequent movies when I was a kid. I mentioned last week he showed me a bunch of horror movies. But we watched this so much, so many times. It's so so rewatchable again. All these movies are very, very rewatchable. Yeah, just, just, again, the, the suspense, like I said, of... The building of the dread, just like in Jurassic Park, this builds the dread where you see the woman, the first woman at night going out, getting dragged by the thing underwater, getting smashed against the buoy, while then finally being dragged down. Um, 
the, the great jump, one of the great jump scares in cinema history when Dreyfus is looking for the tooth. And the tooth is, you know, stuck in the bow and he's trying to pull it out. And then the dead, you see the dead body in that bow. It's just like, holy shit. <laughs> holy fuck. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. And then I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide in the, the speech here that uh, Quint gives about, you know, the USS Indianapolis sinking back in the Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into her side, Chief. She was coming back from the island of Tinian to Lady, just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. 1,100 men went into the water. The vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer, you know? You know that when you're in the water, Chief? You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. What we didn't know was our bomb mission had been so secret, no distress signal had been sent. (laughs) They didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, that man, he starts pounding and hollering and screaming, sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then, oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. You know, by the end of that first dawn, lost a hundred men. I don't know how many sharks, maybe a thousand. I don't know how many men, the average six an hour. On Thursday morning, Chief, I bumped into a friend of mine, Herbie Robinson from Cleveland. Baseball player, bosun's mate. I thought he was asleep. Reached over to wake him up. Bobbed up and down in the water, it was like a kind of top. Upended. Well, he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. O'Berry, Lockheed Ventura. So she swung in low and he saw us to the young pilot lot. Younger than Mr. Hooper anyway, he saw us and he come in low and three hours later a big fat PBY comes down and start to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So, 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out, the sharks took the rest, June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. I did a 
I was doing a uh, 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 took a class took a class in um, speech in uh, what's it called Not cr what's uh, crowd speech and presentation you know crowd mm -hmm. presenting a speech to a crowd <clears throat> and one of the first things they wanted us to do was just to pick a monologue from a movie and just come up to the class and, and read it out and I got an A of course but uh, <laughs> you know because I'm that great of a speaker obviously <laughs> I'm enthralled listening to you right now so. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but yeah, just, you know, the, the, like a doll's eyes, black, like a doll's eyes, and it's got that Irish accent and that fucking stare. Oof, just give you the chills just hey, thinking about chibi. it. But yeah. <laughs> so great. So so many great moments. Again, they have, the thing about Spielberg movies is, is the, the, the moments, you know, it's the movies themselves, but also all of the iconic moments of the ship sinking, you know, smiley son of a bitch. Um, him, you know, Quint uh, scratching the, the chalkboard and saying, like, I give it a head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Just <laughs> just so many iconic moments and mm -hmm. lines and speeches and monologues and set pieces and just just great. Just so rewatchable. Yeah. Number one is Jaws. Nice. So, you know what? I think, yeah. like, there that is a great jump scare. You know, I think it might be my, there's another jump scare now that I think is my favorite jump scare in any mm -hmm. movie is mm -hmm. when, um, like, he's chumming and he kind of just, just throwing chum off the boat oh, yeah. and then the shark just pops yeah. up. And that's, yeah. that's to me, what, like, a jump scare should be. That scene right there is the yeah. template. Because, yeah. you know, jump scares when it's like they're trying to build up and there's something spooky coming. It's like, oh, look out, you know. But that, it just it's just in pure daylight. It's out of nowhere and it just pops up. And it is fucking terrifying. And yep. the reason yep. it is so scary is because... Of how great John William, the great John Williams score that Donna, Donna, and it preps you. It's like okay, we're we're getting tense. Something is coming. There's gonna be a shark coming, you know, and then it'll happen. And that's the only time in the movie where the like the the shark you won't see him. You don't see him. There's no musical cue. So by then you have a false sense of security subconsciously that you're like okay, there's the the little Jaws theme will play whenever this thing shows up. And when it just shows up unexpectedly and it breaks its own rule like that, you're like what the fuck is that? Why is that in the water? You know it just scares the <laughs> yeah. shit out of you. It's yeah. so good and so many like Jaws isn't a horror movie but it kind of is it's yeah. kind of a slasher yeah. film true and I think True. that like a lot of you know the great like people the great kind of like horror slasher film directors really have kind of used Jaws as a template even though that's not its genre it's gone on to influence like that and action movies and so many things um like yeah. shark being scared of shark movies are its, its own sub subgenre. you get one of those every couple of years now like there's like a 43 yeah. feet down 47 meters down or whatever it is you know you get deep blue yeah. seas it's, it's weird the how shallows. like it's a whole genre based on one very specific movie but yeah yeah um Couple things I want to wrap up here, but uh, a couple. I want to mention a couple things about Jaws that you mentioned. Uh, you know, not showing the shark. The famously, the thing broke down. Bruce broke down. Very, very interesting to think about how the world would be, how how film would be, how blockbusters would be if the shark worked. You know, if you showed yeah. the shark more, would the trope, would the idea of not showing the monster be in anybody's mind? Would that be you know anything anybody even tried to do? whether or not they pulled it off or not. The second thing is, uh, you know, I went to Universal, uh, went on the ride, and that was terrifying too. I was probably like nine years old. And uh, for some reason, somehow we always got on the on the, on the the side of the ride where the shark pops up on the, on the side of the boat. So that scared the shit out of me <laughs> uh, when I was a kid. And the last thing I'll mention is, um, you know, the talk about the influence that, that this movie and Spielberg has had on blockbusters in general. And you mentioned the... 
um, Jaws being sort of a horror movie, but um, the year before, Black Christmas came out, which I just got up with last year, which is a great Bob Clark movie from 74. Um, again, what you're talking about, how it's, it's you know, very quiet, very, you know, low stakes, low body count, not a lot of blood and guts. But yeah, the, the 74 and 75, great year for, um, you know, low low budget, low kills uh, horror movies or, or suedo horror movies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's get, let's wrap up. But before we do, let's do our uh, honorable mentions. I do have right. a list here. I'm going to go in order from 17 to 6. My 17 is Temple of Doom. 16 is War of the Worlds. Uh, 15 is Catch Me If You Can. 14, Saving Private Ryan. 13, Hook. 12 is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 11, Munich. Uh, 10 is Minority Report. 9 is AI. Uh, 8 is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. 7 is actually Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. I still love that movie very much. Solid. And 6, yeah, 6 is when I caught up with a little while ago, Lincoln. I finally saw Lincoln a couple years ago. Okay, very nice. So what are your honorable mentions? So, yeah, I I did a... um, uh, t- uh, ten, you know, or five more. Um, so, uh, yep. my number ten is uh, the Adventures of Tintin, which is basically Indiana Jones for kids, um, but still nice. pretty intense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number nine is uh, Temple of Doom. Uh, number eight is Jaws. Uh, number seven is Schindler's List, and then six. Since I didn't want to have two in- uh, indies in the top five, I had six was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Very nice. So, again, uh, I want to get out of this hot, hot box before I <laughs> pass, pass out. But before we go, go ahead and plug your stuff. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so I am the – my name, like I said at the top, is Derek McDuff, and I uh, am one of the co-hosts of a podcast called Underrated, um, where we talk about movies that are kind of underrated or, you know, underappreciated. Um, and um, we're actually going to be having you on the show um, in a little bit once we wrap up our yeah. summer series that we're doing about um, sequels. Um, so I'm excited yep. for that. Um, so keep yep. an eye out if you guys uh, like this podcast. Uh, go get to hear Damien over there. Um, or just me um, talking about underrated movies every week. Um, so you can follow us on Instagram at Undercast Company. Um, or, you know, email us uh, or on Facebook, all the socials. Um, but yeah, Undercast Company, the underrated podcast. Very nice. I listened to your uh, most recent episode, the Tron Legacy. I enjoyed that episode very much. That was that was a yeah. fun one. Had a lot of, had a fun was. of that. That was a good day because uh, the episode last episode I was on with you came out the same day yeah. as uh, Tron yeah. Legacy, so it was a double uh, day for me. Nice, nice, nice. Very cool. And just a quick plug for me, um, I was on the Turtle Stack podcast talking about the MCU. So if you want to hear me choke up about uh, Steve and Bucky and their friendship and uh, Tony dying, you can go listen to that. Uh, the, the Turtle Stack that should be out, I believe, this Thursday. She has a weekly weekly schedule I, I looked at looked it up and uh, should be out um, as you're listening. Well, actually, you know, as you're listening to this, it should already be out. I'm going to put this Monday, uh, June 5th. So if, when, when you're listening to this, it should already be out. So check that out, the, the Turtle Stack podcast. So, yeah, with that, uh, this has been Can I Say Something? I've been Damien, you've been Derek, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.